The heavenly host gave glory to God. Well, Jesus had come to give glory to humans. Happy Christmas and welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The Son of God came not merely to be born and live with us for a while, not just to teach or to heal. He came ultimately to bring glory to the Father and to share His glory with us. We've been looking at the opening of the Gospel of John. If we skip to chapter 17, we'll hear the Lord reveal His mission, if you will, the real meaning of Christmas. Here's Jim. Now think of it. In this book of John, John's going to give us seven special signs, seven special miracles that Jesus did, which point out or which signify, which authenticate, which demonstrate, which illustrate his true, eternal God deity. And when John thinks of how to start this book, where he's going to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and by believing in him you can have life eternal, because that's the purpose he wrote the book. When John thinks through how he's going to do this, he starts with the first of the seven miracles he records, and his mind goes racing back to that experience in Cana, and he's arrested again in his memory of the significance of that moment. Woman, your concern about the wine has no bearing on me. My hour has not yet come. Now, you'll find that phrase recorded several times in the book of John. You'll find it in the seventh chapter, verse 30. You'll find it in the eighth chapter, verse 20. You'll find it in the twelfth chapter, verse 23. Look at chapter 13, verse 1, where you find it again. It's, it's one, of those, one of those links that hold the material of John's gospel together. Chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come. There it is. Now, why would John use that? Why was that so significant in, in, in John's whole book? Because John notes that, that God the Word in Jesus the person, or the Word who became flesh, and as that flesh man was Jesus, that he recognizes above all else, above all human suffering, Jesus didn't feed every hungry person he met. He didn't heal every leper he met. Jesus didn't visit every person in prison. Sometimes we forget that. John demonstrates that Jesus experienced a selectivity during his years, a selectivity of who and where and when and what he would do that was miraculous. And the way he ties this together is 
he keeps reminding us that Jesus knew that his life had a schedule. His life had an appointment. He came into the world. Now, hear me carefully. Hear me carefully. Jesus did not come into the world to feed every hungry person. He did not come into the world to make all the cities meccas of righteousness and justice. He didn't come into the world to solve all the political problems, all the greed. He didn't come into the world to distribute wealth. He didn't even come into the world, hear me, he didn't even come into the world to visit the Gentile nations. He had a singular directive from the Father. He had a pre-planned course of life. And it was destined to conclude in an experience which is wrapped up in this phrase, the hour, the hour, the hour. And what you see in John 13, 1, is that before, before Judas betrayed Jesus, before he was ever arrested, Jesus knew his hour had come. And in the previous times that word is used, for his hour had not yet come, you'll see Jesus escaping those who want to kill him. You'll see Jesus walking away from those who want to arrest him. Just walking away. Why? John says, because his hour had not come. His hour had not yet come. So, so it's correct, I believe, to say that the singular focus for God, the Word, becoming Jesus in this human life was the hour. And every day, every hour, every moment, every experience, he interpreted and experienced in light of that singular hour. What was it? What was the purpose? What was the package? What was inside of that hour? Jesus knew his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Well, how's he going to depart? He's going to depart through the cross. Look at chapter 17 and verse 1. 17 and verse 1. Jesus is praying. This is the night before he's arrested. It's the night of the upper room. It's the concluding, concluding report John gives us about the events of that night. And John says in chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these things. Then he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that your son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh, so he may give eternal life to all you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. That's the target. The target is to finish the assignment on earth, to return to the Father, to make his exodus out of this world through the cross, through the resurrection, 
back to the Father for what purpose? To be glorified with the Father. He will have accomplished what the Father gave him to do. He will have fulfilled always the things that the Father said. And he will then return to the Father with job well done. That job led to the cross. Now let me remind you of one of the most dramatic, dramatic ways Jesus glorified the Father on the cross. When he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. When Jesus said that, the sacrifice for sin was over. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He acknowledged that he was experiencing death, separation from God. He knew why that was happening, and that was the deepest agony of the cross. It's absolutely a miracle that God could die. That's a miracle. God is life. There is no sin in him, no cause for death. Death always comes as a result of sin. When he took our sins, your sins, my sins, their sins, the whole world's sins upon himself, then as their substitute is my substitute, he needed to be slain. And the Bible says that the father slew his own son. It says God spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. That's saying that God the Father is the one who is responsible for the death of God the Son upon the cross. Okay, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then what? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The sacrifice for sin was done before Jesus physically died. Let me say that again. Your sins were paid for, my sins were paid for, before Jesus said, it is, it's finished. When he said it is finished, he was announcing that love had triumphed and sin had lost. That the Father had won Satan lost. That heaven is again available and hell's bars could no longer imprison anyone who would trust in God. Now what happened at that moment? Over in the temple, what happened? The veil in the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Let me tell you something tonight. That wasn't to let the priest look in. <laughs> that was to signal that God had come out. Don't need any more blood sacrifices from animals and goats. Don't need this, this separation, this veil from a holy God and impure people. The perfect Lamb had been offered. The perfect sacrifice had been slain. The final payment had been done for all man. Sin was vanquished, was conquered. Now all I need do is believe it. And God stepped out through that opening and opened the curtains to say, whosoever will may come. Not just priest, high priest, not just Levite, not just worshiper, 
not just Jew, but Gentile, could now come. God ripped the curtain as a clear, perfect signal that sin sacrifice had been completed. I want you to see that when you see the babe in the manger. I want you to know that that's why he came. We sing the song, and I love it. Maybe the best, <laughs> it, may be, it may be the finest Christmas carol ever written. Mary, did you know? I was thinking as I was anticipating this moment tonight, Jesus, did you know? Did you know that by becoming part of your creation, you'd cry? You'd, you'd feel fatigue? You'd feel hunger? Did you know you'd feel rejection? Did you really know that you came through the manger to go to the cross? Now listen, he did. And still he came. He came into the world for that hour. That hour. Now, one last thought. Look what Jesus says as he continues his prayer. He says, Father, glorify me in your presence, that the glory I had with you uh, before the world existed. Take me back to all of that. And look what he says over here in verse, verse 24. He says, Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am that they may see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you have given me. <laughs> Whatever that was, that the word within the Godhead enjoyed and signified as being glorious. Whatever that glory was that God, the word, had with the Father before the foundation of the world was laid, whatever that was, he's given me. He's given you. When you believe in him, receive him, invite him into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. He doesn't just take you to heaven. <laughs> he guarantees you a share in his glory. You will be glorified with him. Can't comprehend that, brothers and sisters. It's beyond my powers of comprehension. When Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Not to us. In us. And when Paul said to the Colossians, all set your affection on things above, not things on the earth, for your dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when he who is our life shall appear, 
then shall we also appear, be made manifest with him in glory, in a glorified state. <laughs> Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father on high. What was that joy? You, 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 you. You were in his heart. You were on his mind before he created the world. You were precious to him before you were conceived. And he came into this, our world, to make his love and your preciousness to him available to you in the greatest, most magnificent gift he could give. What is that? to know God and to be transformed into his image. That's the most magnificent gift. So Father, this Christmas time, help us as we look at the nativity to think way beyond the straw. Why the one who lies there just a couple of months before, that was the one who caused that hay, that corn, that wheat, and the straw to be formed on the hills of Bethlehem. Help us not to focus at the manger. The one who's there is the one who created the wood, the trees that became the manger. Help us not to marvel at the incredible miracle of Mary's womb being empowered to process a, a baby by the power of the Spirit of God as a virgin. Remind us that the one who entered that womb was the one who had created it. Father, give us new terminology to express both our delight and hope in the future of what is ours to be glorified with him. Give us fresh insight that he's no longer the baby and no longer the Christ on the cross. He's He's waiting, preparing a place and a banquet, and longing for us to join him there. Help us, help us to cut through in the nostalgia, the tradition, the empty phraseologies, and to, with fresh energy, gaze and wonder at God robed in humanity to take the judgment and condemnation of humanity's sins upon himself, to offer his life perfect and sinless in exchange for all the debt we have incurred, all of the times that we have 
offended your law, your word, your nature, all the times we've failed, Father. And he came to sum that up. Embrace it. And pay the price with his own, his own death. Help us to gaze more deeply into what we know about you because of what we've learned watching Jesus. Thank you for these uh, dear friends. And, and I pray that you'll return to our hearts the wonder and awe, the worship, the reverence, the, the profound, perhaps unexpressible, gratitude, the wonder of it all. It reminds us that it's all given to us by our Creator's heart through grace because of love. My dear friend tonight, over the next ten days, think beyond the manger. Look beyond the babe. Ponder beyond Mary's womb. Gaze with wonder into the records we have of this incredible life. Refresh your heart in the evidences he left to signal that he is truly Messiah, truly King of Israel, truly King of the nations, Truly God, the Creator, think more deeply about the redemption He provides for us. Savior. Savior. Our Father, thank you for this incredible passage. Help us to ponder its clear teaching over and over and over until it transforms us and gives us a lusty love for the one who is the object of these words. We ask this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. We began this sermon last Thursday, that seems a long time ago now, with Jim saying there's a lot of pain in the room. We acknowledged that Christmas can be far from merry for many people. And then we began to dig beneath the sentiment to get the big picture of what was going on when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We hope the message has brightened some eyes. It's called, He Became Flesh for Us. The talk is available on CD for a gift of $7 or more. You can order it a couple of different ways. Stand by for that information. Ready or not, 2024 will be here shortly. The end of the year is an important time to consider a donation to Right Start. And we won't spam you if you give. We'll use your donation prayerfully to further the preaching of God's Word. Please pray for us as well. However you can help, we'd appreciate it. Please write us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA, or call us at 1-800-984-2313. 
That's 800-984-2313. And visit us on the web at rightstartradio.org. That's where you can make that last-minute donation and find some great biblical content. You can play radio programs from the site or play or download Jim's uncut sermons. And we'll link you to the Apple site where you can sign up for the daily podcast. You can email us too. Just go to our website, rightstartradio.org. Rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Our switch back to Hebrews tomorrow won't be as abrupt as you might expect. That sermon is also about the Lord's mission. And I believe a certain Christmas symbol is even mentioned. Please join us on Tuesday for the next Right Start. Right Start.